Hello and welcome to the Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the CEO of Law in Sport. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't tuned in before, the Law in Sport podcast is here to help you understand the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, as well as get to know some of the key personalities of the people who are working tirelessly behind the scenes to keep sport running, develop and improve across the world. Now, this is a two-part podcast. If you haven't tuned in to the previous one, please stop now and go back and listen to that. So this is an interview with Andrew L. Lee, who is counsel and a litigation and business attorney with Foley and Lardner, LLP, in their New York office. He's a member of the firm's business litigation and dispute resolution practice, and he's a member of and a special advisor to the sports and entertainment industry team. Now, in part one, Andy discussed his move from private practice to moving in-house uh, with the New York Jets. It was fascinating to hear his perspective. I think he's got a, a, a brilliant handle on, and, and I think does a fantastic job of explaining the challenges of both moving from private practice to in-house, but then moving from um, in-house to set up his own practice and then eventually joining Foley and Lardner. Um, he's very honest, very candid about his experience, his reasons for doing that move. If you're interested in the sort of business of sports law, I just think there's so much great advice in that. You should go and check that out. Now, in part two, Andy discusses uh, future trends in the sports law arena, but particularly from a commercial side. So we're talking NFTs, um, over-the-top offerings, so... Um, uh, direct-to-consumer media broadcasts, uh, linear TV broadcasts, the traditional uh, type of broadcasts, um, and you know emerging brands, emerging trends that we're seeing in the market. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and of course, as I always say, if you enjoy the podcast, please do tell people about it. That's how we you know, get more followers, more downloads, more listens, and you know hopefully help other people have access to this fantastic information. And so thank you for your support. I hope you enjoy the show and wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, uh, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy part two. You've been involved with, with obviously the private equity side. You've been involved in the, as you said, the stadium ownership side. You've been involved in the entertainment side, the music side. You know, you've been involved with some really interesting transactions and where do you see the landscape going in terms of sport as an entertainment property, as professionalisation? What are those sort of market say trends that you're, you're that you've observed um yeah I, I think there's been a lot you're right it's an it's it's looking at it from the entertainment perspective right the the world has i mean obviously it's changed right over the last two years but the the way we consume entertainment and experience sports um has has really uh you know had to, it's 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 i don't know if I, it's grown right but it's also changed just from the perspective of there was a while where we didn't have live sports. And then you have situations where, okay, we're going to have live sports, but without audiences. And so how are we going to you know, get it to the audiences? And then we've had this incredible proliferation of, I think as a result of those things, of different platforms and different ways to access content. You know, whether it's, um, you know, cutting the cord from cable, right? You have these, these OTT, you know, services to get your television and then you can stream on Netflix or Hulu. You might have a, an SVOD, which is the subscription-based model. You might have a, a, a free, a fast or a, 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 an, AVOD, an AVOD advertising, you know, based model. Uh, and there's a lot, I mean, that, that world is saturated right now. So there's a huge opportunity for all kinds of content. 
and in particular, a lot of those new platforms, unless they're just going to focus on one particular niche, they want they want some kind of live content or some kind of sports content, um, and that's there's a lot going on in that space right now. So I, you know, one of the one of the recent deals I've worked on involved Combate Global, which is um, the world's leading uh, Spanish speaking Hispanic you know mixed martial arts uh, platform. Uh, and they did. So we worked on their, uh, myself and my team at Foley worked on their media rights deal with Univision for their their Spanish rights and then their English language rights uh, with CBS and Paramount Plus, which is, of course, as you probably know, a new platform that's being put out there by Viacom CBS. And, and so there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, that's 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 a big company with a lot of a lot of resources to, to grow that. Uh, and. So, so we're seeing, and, and those those types of deals are happening in in different ways. Sometimes they might involve equity. Sometimes they might involve cash, uh, and you know they they tend to be long term. You try to make them long term term deals, right? The the NFL just did an eleven year deal. Who knows what that world is going to look like in eleven years? Absolutely. And so with that, there's a really interesting point um, that maybe you t- touched on there, which was. As we're seeing with CVC, uh, you know, uh, I don't know at the time of recording if it's been approved or not yet, but trying to acquire the La Liga uh, uh, rights, or have a percentage in Liga rights, and they've invested into the Six Nations um, and the, the rugby unions. And we're seeing this prior equity sort of, you know, coming in and investing or into um, uh, tennis, into the uh, Davis Cup um, when when uh, that uh, there was that um, investment. So with these um, OTT offerings, or say, say for example, with Combate, uh, what is, uh, let's say, more attractive, both from, from what are some of the things, without going into necessarily some of the specifics, but what are the things of, like, you know, both from a, the, 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 the brand perspective, let's say, the, the event organiser, Combate, and then from a, from a broadcaster or OTT platform's perspective, what are the things that they're both parties are looking for? Because on the one hand, obviously, as the organiser, you want to obviously maximise your your revenues, um, and uh, and and obviously you want to make sure that if you're a media uh, company broadcaster, that you've got a great product and they're investing the money in the right way to make it uh, sustainable. Well, it, you know, it depends on the 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 product and and the offering. You know, some of these some of these platforms may have. Uh, production capabilities and, and facilities that that you can wrap into the deal, um, which takes a big part of the expense away from from the content side, and you can focus on, you know, your product. Uh, a lot of them also, and I think this is a trend you're going to see, have multiple, um, you know, distribution avenues. Uh, you know, the Univision has a couple of you know network channels, and they also have a Prende their streaming platform. Um, Viacom CBS obviously has, you know. You know, terrestrial cable, and you know now the the Paramount Plus. So, you have avenues to be live and to be to be on demand or streaming, and you know ways to kind of um, uh, hit more than one sort of type of viewing experience with the same with the same product. And of course, you, you have to layer on top of all of this social media, and 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 all of that, and the advertising dollars that are there, and the and the reach, um, the reach there. Um, and then, you know, then, you know, on the horizon, we have things like I've been seeing a lot of activity, doing a lot of work in in the NFT space, um, not just in sports, but also, you know, in music. And the, the music business itself is exploding. You have, you know, companies, you know, songwriters selling their, you know, their catalogs for hundreds of millions of, of dollars. Uh, and 
and some of the you know the the, the major labels uh, seeing you know really booming growth from uh, from streaming uh, in a way that you know. 20 years ago, when they were all fighting with uh, Napster and mp3.com, they never could have imagined. I mean, it was the end of the world. The notion of, of streaming, yeah, of absolutely. things being allowable online was, you know, th- th- you know, it was a, it was such a seismic shift that they couldn't even understand it. And now it's, you know, it's grown to. I always remember like, something I listened to. I listened to, I used to listen to it and I still do. In, in fact, not that as often as I'd like though, but this week in startups by Jason Calacanis, it's a really good podcast. And years ago, he had this guy who was on, who was a developer for Sony and, um, uh, a senior guy there and he basically went to so many execs and said look I think uh, there's peer-to-peer sharing I think we should sort of look to a way to license <laughs> and they said no you don't and uh, we don't want to do that that's just you know that's not the model we've got and then in his background he was working on helping out with BitTorrent and other things like that what do you see as the sort of I guess the next sort of like a uh, you know innovation is it this NFTs or is it something that 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 um, from from a sports perspective is there anything that's going to be the next let's say um you know streaming service for for the sports market or in terms of entertainment because it seems like we you know have this you know and you know probably know gary vaynerchuk because he's such a big uh, isn't he a jets fan right and he talks about this but uh, if you look at like i said the revolution of sort of tv right that was one big thing and radio was one then tv was another then things settled down we had print newspaper then we have you know online uh, platforms and you have now the new york you know the, the new york times seem to have mastered let's say a bit better the subscription model and stuff like that. we seem to have these these peaks and troughs let's say in sort of innovation but then largely the main players still are the main players right yeah then they sort of work it out and know how to adopt maybe get some breakthroughs but how are you seeing that sort of evolve and is that are you seeing basically the main players adapting quickly enough is there new people coming onto the market I think there is. It is an interesting time right now in terms of that development, especially with, um, you know, what what we've gone through as a as a country and as a world, you know, with with COVID and and how that's affected the way people work and, you know, their job market and and things like that. I do think, and I think we're starting to see it a little bit now, but we're going to see an influx into the world of so much creativity. Right. That that because people just all of a sudden had so much more time to just stop and think, right? About what they want to do. And, you know, here's what I want to I'm finally gonna write that book or I'm gonna do this, or you know, I have this idea, I'm now I'm gonna develop it. I think all of that, and we're starting to see it, and I think it's we're gonna see more of it. That and so it's hard to really predict where that will be. Um, you know, I do think uh, like I said, I've been spending a lot of time working uh, on NFT and NFT related issues and businesses, including investments in companies that operate in that space, um, disputes resolving issues about that space, and also just people trying to figure out, you know, what it is and why it matters. And I think you're going to see it it evolve. Uh, they, you know, they've been around for a while, and they're going to end up being useful in <clears throat> in a lot of things that rely on, on data and, and as ways of, uh, you know, confirming or doing things in transactions that we used to rely on on paper much more for that's developing i think people might think it's a bit of a of a fad or it's just about art or music i really don't think that i think you're going to see a lot of innovation there and it's going to start bleeding into other spaces
so so it's interesting. You know, one of my colleagues, Chris Bond, uh, is really into sort of crypto generally, and we we had a panel on it. And um, I think I'm trying to persuade you to be on another panel soon <laughs> on one of, on one of our conferences. Um, Being that you know, from a US perspective, what are you seeing? Because one of the I think I saw that there was some um, uh, requests from some individuals to the SEC to confirm the position of NFTs from a um, uh, of either an asset class or just in terms of where it would stand in terms of uh, some of the, uh, the federal laws, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a it's a challenge, and it's something that is being worked out now. There, you know, there are securities laws that exist for for a reason, right? And the, yeah, so the question is, would the NF, would an NFT, any particular NFT or series of NFTs or an NFT offering? You know, qualify as a security for purposes of federal securities laws, and securities include something called investment investment contracts. And there's a bunch of factors that determine whether something is an investment contract or not. Sort of in the in the blockchain sort of legacy history, right? Which in which like you have to think of ten years in the blockchain world as being like you know a hundred years in the regular world in terms of development, but. Um, that's something that a lot of uh, cryptocurrency offerings have uh, faced and have had problems with, where someone created a new type of cryptocurrency and put it out there in the world, um, uh, you know, offered it to the public for sale, and then wound up getting hit with lawsuits. And it turns out, hey, it was a security, and you should have done all these disclosures and registered with the SEC and done things a lot differently. Um, there is a, you know, a fair amount. Thanks to those issues, there's a fair amount of guidance. The SEC has put out, you know, guidance in terms of how to deal with, you know, digital, how to analyze digital assets in that space. Um, so that is something that, you know, a lot of these offerings need to look at. The, I mean, one of the big in the sports world, obviously, the, you know, the NBA's top shot is a big, um, you know, is, is one that most people know about. And there's a lawsuit going on right now alleging exactly that, that it was a secure, that it was security. Uh, so, you know, those things are going to, to have to shake out. Um, I do think, you know, look, NFTs can include, I mean, I don't want to go too much from, you know, sports to NFTs, but I, you know, I think you're asking about. No, no, no. Sure. Trust me, this is the most sure. one of the most popular areas at the moment. Like people love talking about this. So, so you, you don't worry. Like people will find it because again, people are being. We're seeing. You know, we're getting loads of requests from general councils on this particular point. What do you know what's going on? Because their executives are saying, "Hey, we need to be doing something." No doubt. <laughs> Hence, the work you're doing. We need to be doing something in this space. Tell me what we can or can't do. And they're going, "Well, you know, we're not sure." Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I think it can go in so many different directions, and it might even bleed into the, you know, the, uh, you know, the video television viewership space that we were talking about, you know, and then, you know, where your NFT could your, be your key to a bunch of different content, you know, that you're, you know, unlocking, or, you know, when you think about, um, I don't know, like a pay per view event, right? Um, that you know, in, in the past, you might have to use just, you know one of the, you know, one of the streaming platforms or a cable network or something to accomplish it. You know, if you wanted to have a video or a live, you know, feed living on some secure, you know, server someplace or some other avenue that you can only get to, you know, if you bought the NFT, right? Now that might be that might not be it. You think of it differently because that's not the type of NFT that you might resell or might not have any value once the event is over. But it is something that could serve as basically a digital ticket. Um, uh, you know, it might be something that uh, teams might start 
packaging their season ticket accounts inside of an NFT. And, and you're seeing all of that type of stuff currently be, being explored. It's so interesting because, like I said, we, you know, we've had we had a discussion on our, uh, uh, sorry, our football law conference earlier in May this year. And again, it seems like it is one of those things where it could be either really beneficial for fishing get in and out quickly, but obviously high risk if, if you get something wrong um, from from a, uh, a litigation perspective. Um, yep. yep. And then, so what other? It, uh, yeah, sorry. No, as you say, it's, it's not even so much about getting something wrong. It's just about things aren't resolved. Another area like this is the um, the name, image, and likeness stuff right now that's going on because of the, the Supreme Court's decision and the, and the NCAA's sort of, you know, what they've said. And now, you know, we, we have a, you know, Foley has, you know, we've been put, putting together a, a tracker of what's going on in all the different states. Um, and, we you know, we're spending a lot of time on this area as well. But it's an area where there aren't really any answers. I was on a, a sort of a, a group meeting with uh, some clients, representatives from different, you know, areas of consumer products and things like that in the sports world yesterday. And we were talking about this and just kind of sharing thoughts and, and qu questions like, well, you know, for example, if, if I'm a brand and I have a deal with the university, right, to, you know, to use my brand in, you know, on field or whatever in their stuff, um, and in the past, that has included the university, you know, publishing or me being able to use images of the team, right, with these individuals. And, okay, has that changed now? You know, do they, you know, we, we don't really know. that the, the individuals, have, the, the players, right, these college athletes have probably given the, you know, the university the right to, um, to use their image for certain purposes. But now they might say, well, things have changed and that, that wasn't, what I this wasn't what I intended, and now I have the right to monetize it myself, and you can't go out there and do it without me. So there are there are still a lot of unknowns. That is literally happening now, right? Yeah, or, we had, or, we just did a podcast with Mark Conrad, uh, Professor Mark Conrad. Um, so I think it will be going out just before this one, um, in which we we had a long discussion around around this, and it seems like a hot mess um, <laughs> in terms of the approach, because you know for that reason, like in say for example in Premier League football you know you have an agreement with the team that the team can use um or in most uh to be fair most uh, top leagues you can have a uh, use an image of this of, of three of the players basically you know as long as there's a collection of three of the players you can't use them in isolation etc about their agreement yeah and there may there may be rules like there may be rules like that i think one of the issues is going to be you know you have 50 states and you know hundreds, if not thousands of universities, right? And they all might have slightly different, you know, rules and programs. So from a business perspective, a company wanting to get into that space in five or six different states, it's going to have a lot of different things to analyze and deal with. And so there's a question as well, should there, should there be federal legislation about this? Is this something that should just be done? Maybe. Um, I think probably what's going to happen is pretty soon over the course of this next year, we're going to see a lot of litigation in this space. Um, and perhaps the results of those of that litigation, particularly if there's conflicting results, could lead to some sort of, you know, uni uniformity down the road. But that's, you know, it, it has to go through those growing pains first. Yeah, and obviously you haven't got the you haven't got the collective bargaining uh, situation. It's not so. If you had that, it'd probably be a bit well. 
there's pros and cons to both. But the uh, you know, uh, let's say hypothetically, there was a, a, a union, and they were able to unionize the student athletes. It'd be at least be easier because it'd be one body to actually talk to rather than as uh, I said across the board. Uh, so interesting. And then what in terms of the um, what stuff are you just sort of doing in the sort of music space and other spaces that you think are um, kind of the, you're you're seeing. Uh, develop that you think may may impact or 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 uh, be adopted by uh, the sports sector. Uh, well, some of that relates, you know, it overlaps with the NFTT conversation we were having earlier because I think, you know, that is that is a hot area in in music right now. And, um, you know, one of the things that I see happening is the music business in particular. Like like I mentioned before, right? Twenty years ago, they were kind of the industry was so used to making money off of, you know, records and CDs and physical products for years and years. And, and they had these, I remember I was a, you know, mid-level associate at the time working on one of these big litigations involving, you know, a, a download, a music downloading service and having to go through all of these music related contracts, publishing deals, like thousands of them from, you know, from the clients. And they were archaic, even the ones that were relatively recently signed. They were all based on forms from 50 years ago, right? And they just didn't really translate into the into the current the current world. So now we're seeing new developments in technology, um, and in, in ways that may have to result in a little bit of, of adjustment like that. So in the music space, for example, you know, someone you know sells an NFT for big money, and they put their song on it. Right. They're selling this, this song via NFT and maybe it has other things attached to it, like tickets to a show or an autograph or whatever. But then they don't realize that the song that they're using, that is their song that they wrote and recorded, but they might have had a co-writer on the song. Right. So that co-writer typically in the music world would have uh, rights to to performance royalties um, as being one of the co-writers. OK, how does that work here? If I you know, if an artist just sold an NFT for a million dollars. Right. Um, that that co-writer is going to think, well, I should be entitled to some of that money. And, you know, the 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 NFT seller, the recording artist might say, well, I'm not it's not a performance of the song. I just sold it to someone. Right. Whether you know now if, if they go and play it in their bar or someplace public. Yeah, maybe you're entitled to get paid. Um, and, and also, by the way, what about the value of the tickets and what about the value of my kid? You know, how do you even if you are entitled to something, how do you cut that up? So then. You have to look at what are the agreements. You have to look at what the contracts are that define the rights in this space. They don't contemplate this kind of thing, right? So there's going to be some trying to put square pegs into round holes types issues here um, that are going to that are going to shake out, and I think will result in in changes. So I've already started in in contracts and in agreements. Um, putting in provisions about NFTs and being very specific about what it is and what it isn't um, wh when you can. Right. Some some parties may not want to do that because they just might want to see how the industry decides to treat. It. Um, but you do have and this is another virtue of artists getting more uh, avenues to have more power. Right. So right now, an artist can very easily, um, you know, put together, you know, write a song, record it on, you know, on their iMac with very, you know, high quality sound, a very professional recording. Um, and easily release it to Spotify, Amazon Music, you know, Apple, iTunes, and every other platform that exists in the world, and do all of that, you know, very, 
without without much expense, and then they can promote it on their social media as well, right? These are all things that used to be exclusively within the purview of record companies. Uh, all of that is now is now available. So along comes NFTs, and here's another you know possible way to to monetize your content in a way that you don't know. It's I'm not saying it makes it that much easier because because everyone can do it, right? There's millions and millions of songs on Spotify, so the fact that you can get it up there doesn't mean it's going to get heard. But it is something that was not possible. When I was a kid, you see my guitars here. I was, I've played guitar all my life. I would have loved, you know, I was in a band, you know, we were writing music. Record, but the 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 notion of if we even wanted to like make a record, we had a little like Tascam four track recording thing that I didn't really know how to use. <laughs> there, there was, it wasn't even like, it was like, well, it, it's too complicated. I'm going to go to law school, right? That was- in, in, 2000, <laughs> in 2012, 2013, I started doing our YouTube channel doing interviews with sports lawyers using a Samsung S3. And I had to find a very particular and um, professional audio visual uh, distributor uh, to, to go and get us one microphone, the only microphone, lapel microphone you could get to plug into it, right? Whereas now everyone's got their digital SLRs, which were, you know, you're talking back, back even back then, like to get a quality of, you know, video you know, that people are now putting out now, it would have been tens of thousands. You need like a red camera, and, and stuff like that so i agree that it's interesting though because you know you wonder as we see the sort of the tech giants obviously uh to boom in this arena like everyone like in theory everyone can make more money but are they re- like as we're having this discussion internally within our team as in uh, what are the what's the data points in the sense that you know before you actually have the agencies the agency control stuff are we just seeing that that's just being spread out uh, it's not, you know, say for example, we were talking about, you know, uh, influencers and media personalities before they would go on your terrestrial TV or cable, in your case, uh, TV stations, and now they're going into YouTube or TikTok or, or whatever, and maybe you're seeing them through there, whereas traditionally would be there, they would be going to so um, terrestrial or cable TV, whereas now you're just seeing them on YouTube and stuff, but they're really only the same small number of people, but you kind of feel like it's more because you're you can tune into the ones that you like more easily right. than you could right. do before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is a very different world. I mean, you know, go back to, to the sports side of it too, where we're talking about, we mentioned esports and, you know, online gaming and those, those sorts of things. That's, that's developing too. If you were to go on to any of the major NFT platforms, right. And look at their, the category of utility tokens, right. You might see things like racehorses or race cars or little chickens, right. That you can buy, NFTs for, and they all have different attributes and you're buying them to use them in a particular game that exists in the metaverse, a completely virtual world. So you can put on your Oculus or just do it on your computer. You can buy a really souped up race car or invest in a racing horse that has been bred from other NFT horses, right? And has a pedigree and then race them and you can bet on them and you can compete. And, you know, that is sport for, that is the new world of sport for a lot of, yeah. for a lot of young people. It's so um, interesting, right? Because in to a certain degrees is, uh, you know, you look like you could call it a black market, right? Because people are going, Hey, we don't want to operate within these systems. It's much easier for us to operate here. Maybe they're different people. Maybe they're the same people. It's fascinating to see how that's going to, um, uh, develop. But it's interesting The if uh, an anecdote I was on the train, I went into London for, for, uh, I haven't been going very frequently around for a couple of meetings on the way home a, a very loud gentleman uh, was on the phone to his friend basically telling his friend how he wanted his son to stop playing Raymond 
the game and he wants him to get into something like Counter-Strike or Fortnite <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right. And his son's not, and I know this because he disclosed it on the train. He's he, this is a serious conversation. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I agree with it, but I've always, I was chuckling to myself because he was saying, look, no, seriously, I think I can set up a YouTube or Twitch channel and we can start monetizing it. I can't do it. I can't, he said, I can't do it in my child's name because he's not 12 yet and there's rules around and I've, and I've seen someone's... And I thought, this is a legitimate... I felt it fascinating because obviously this is the area working. I thought this is... He's having a serious... He wasn't joking. He was having a very serious conversation with his friend about it, about how his son's really good at gaming and that he thinks he can monetize off his son. Well, you know, when you think... So when you think about it, those, his, his son, who might be 12 now, in 10 years, he's going to be 22, right? Um he will probably own, um, you know, a, a, a house in crypto boxes, right? A digital space in the metaverse. Um, it's happening already. People are buying and selling their entire worlds out there. And then there are even you can even mortgage them or lend against 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 them. And, and you know, all of that industry is developing in that world as well. Um, and and you know, I'm interested in it. I know a little bit about it. I'm not, I won't pretend to be an expert at it. I'm not a I'm not a gamer. You know, in in that in that sense, um, maybe I just don't have the time. You know, <laughs> to you know really become it. But I, I do find it fascinating because I've been very you know, I've always you know, technology has always been something I've been involved in and passionate well, about. Well, surely the um, you know, given that you've got the you know, music background and you know, sport, I've always said that you know when I was I was a very much hardcore sports person when I was younger, and that I didn't like anything else that wasn't sport. I was very anti everything other than sport. And then I realised for me it was a moment in time I realised that sport was just uh, it's performed at its best was a sort of form of expression like music, like theatre, like all these other areas. And what's interesting when we look at, say, e-sports, or we look at there's certain sort of characteristics around being part of a community, mastering a skill. Um, you know, displaying that skill, having engagement, entertaining, that kind of translates across whether it's esports, music, uh, you know, the entertainment space. And it's trying to, what, what's really interesting from what you're saying as well is that, how is that really, you know, is that, and we just did a podcast with a guy called Will Della, um, who's a, a bird and bird who does, who's out there esports practice. And he was saying his view is that esports is not going to detract from traditional sports. It's going to be really interesting to see you know, again, with all these other opportunities to rev, uh, to to commercialize and stuff like that, I've just seen that that TikTok is now on Amazon Prime. You can get the TikTok channel. I'm not I'm not a big fan of TikTok myself. It's not for me, but I appreciate other people who enjoy it. But I'm just thinking that's really interesting, right? Because people are going to be spending more time if they've got a Fire Stick, you know, looking at TikTok on there than maybe they would do on YouTube or maybe they would do on the Amazon Prime video. It's going to be fascinating to see how all this pans out. And then in terms of um, uh, what one thing I always like to ask people is when you're, you know, what strikes me from when we spoke last last week um, is that you're someone who's, who's obviously values like uh, you value relationships. Um, I love that term, but I always say this long lasting, meaningful relationships is always the thing that we always talk about law and sports in. That's the law is a relationship business um as much as it is about being in law in terms of what you're looking for if you were to give any advice for people who are looking to build relationships given that you've had you know a very lengthy career already in the sector what sort of advice would you give out to either you know established people who are maybe you know trying to network let's say or people coming into the market yeah i mean i'll try to stay away from the obvious things like you know 
use use the contacts that you have, right? Talk to your family if they know people and get introduced. You know, I will say that, you know, like I said, it's a it's a difficult industry to break into, but um, part of the reason, you know, don't don't give up, right? Some someone like me or other people at teams or leagues, like, you know, you might try to reach them or send them an email and you might not hear back. And you know, personally, I'm not going to be offended if someone keeps, you know, reaching out to me in a respectful way, right? Not badgering, but like the fact that, you know, you might not hear back from someone doesn't mean that they're not interested. They just may not have the time to focus on it. Um, and that's, that's, you know, often the, often the case. And the other thing is to, you know, not be too hyper-focused on one particular thing to say, no, this is what I want to do. This is the space I want to be in. Like, do anything you can to get a foot in the door and work, you know, in there because you never know what that's going to lead to and who you're going to meet, you know, build something on your resume. Um, a lot of kids, especially, you know, coming out of, you know, schools now and, um, you know, recent graduates from trying to find things, look, I just need to fill out my resume. Obviously, you know, it's one thing, it would be great to get an internship at the NFL, right? Very difficult, very, you know, and usually like a higher level of education, but, you know, you might be able to get an internship, you know, working with some sports agency, you know, on some of their marketing stuff or their social media, you know, things. Um, there are a lot of different spaces. You could work at a company that that creates the graphics for teams or, you know, something else that that is still relevant to the space. And, and in terms of, though, building relationships, because this is one of the things that, that, that you know, we I do lots of talks on this to associates, to partners, to to, to, to other general counsels. To, to you know, um, what advice though would you give to building relationships? Because say, for example, say you say you're in an NFL team, right? You're super busy. You you are really busy at that moment in time, and everyone else is really busy. And like, how do you go about building relationships where people are time poor, as you're saying? Right, because it's not just about contact. This is about how do you build a lasting relationship over time. What, what sort of, or I guess one thing would be, could you give an insight into how you approach it? Because I think this is one of the that people would say it's the softer skills. I don't agree with that. I think there is kind of essential skills, um, they're life skills. Um, how do you approach it? Well, I mean, the you, you know, at, at base, it's about spending time with people, really. Right, that's you know, your relationships come out of it, and. When you when you can take a professional relationship and move it into, um, you know, anything personal, that helps. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you know going out to dinner or having someone over at your house, you know, just you know so someone you're working with and maybe a client or uh, you know a boss or something like that, and, and you have an opportunity to um, discuss something relevant or related that that gets into you know your Obviously, you don't want to intrude into anyone's personal life. Some people aren't interested in it, but it 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 lays it gets lets someone get to know you in a little bit of a different way than just you know the one dimensional aspect. Um, one of the sort of I, I would never say there are any benefits of COVID, but it is interesting to like what we're doing right now uh, and and other like I, I mentioned yesterday we had this meeting with rep, you know people from a few different you know uh, firm clients. We're all in different parts of the country, uh, and it was a great opportunity. And and it's gotten much easier to connect with people in a way than even a couple of years ago. It's one thing just to call someone and say hi, but now everyone understands that if you hop on a you know a Zoom meeting or link or Teams link or whatever it is, and you're talking to someone in this way, um, not that not that it's the same thing as physically being together and going to lunch, but everyone is starting to kind of 
feel that relax more, a little bit more right yeah I, yeah you know like yeah, okay yeah, yeah. I, I feel like i feel like i know you now right yeah. now when we meet right one of us is going to be a lot taller or shorter than we thought <laughs> but but there is a level of familiarity and we feel like okay we've you know we've met we had a meeting together you know um and in the past i think that was more difficult to do right um so it, it, it makes it from a time perspective it's easier and just from a uh, a logistics perspective, it's easier. And I think people should take advantage of that, even if it's just to touch base, you know, if you're going to touch base with someone that, you know, or you're, you know, you have an opportunity to get introduced to someone rather than just an email or a phone call, see if you can hop on a, you know, a video chat. I, and th that, that may seem obvious, but, um, I don't mind. It's, I, I happen to prefer talking like this to, you know, some, you know, some people still feel like I, I'd rather just do a conference call. I like, I, you know, I prefer to have, you know, faces when possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I'm the same. And like, although I do get tired from, from, from too many video calls, it's because of the eye fatigue. If you're staring at documents and other stuff on emails, thousands of emails each day. But I think your point about time is a really interesting one. You're the first person I think to really say that expressly that the time matters. But one of the things then to take away from this is that, you know, if you are in the sector, is again, make the time to have time, I guess, you know, to reach out to people, you know, and inevitably, you know, don't need to force it or come, uh, you know, the more you invest reaching out. But I think it's a great point because, you know, it's one of the areas that we, you know, you appreciate this when you're in, it's sort of in a, a general council position that if someone said to you, can I introduce you to someone who's going to help you or, you know, there's a lawyer or, or a young person even who you thought was worth speaking to, you'd want to connect with them, right, to to, to, to have a chat. Um, and I think sometimes people can think that they people don't want to connect with them. And I think it's the, the opposite if they if people have the time. Um, but Andy, like, I love speaking to you. We spoke for an hour and a half, um, I think it was last week, uh, just the first time we got introduced. Um, uh, which was great. I said, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I think it's fascinating. And, and um, particularly, like, so if you haven't checked out that Combate stuff, I check it out. I do think it's really interesting in terms of, you know, have a look at the press releases on it in terms of how they've carved up the riots and the, the, um, the English language and the, the Hispanic language and, and what that means. And also, yeah, just have just check it out. I think it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great um, product too, but I mean, M MMA is, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's violent, obviously it's, it's fighting, but they, you know, it's it, when it's well-produced, I mean, it, it can also be compelling if you're, you know, if you're not squeamish, oh, you're yeah. interested in that. Yeah, I love it. As yeah. you know, I'm very much having done it a little bit myself. Um, uh, my boxing background, I absolutely love it. And I think, I don't get me wrong. I think again, if it's well-produced and, and they've got good referees, good rules, um, you know, it's pro properly administered. It's a martial art, um, you know, the, the clues in the name, mixed martial arts, um, and that that makes and, and you know and it's just like any other sport uh, mastery although yeah obviously it is quite violent um, so if you don't if you don't like that type of thing don't tune in but it's it's interesting as well to see you know, you know why why invest into such a product a well you know a good product where, where they see the long term growth there it's fascinating but Andy um, the, I really appreciate you taking the time out. No, I well, I was just gonna one thing to on that because we're talking about the all of the, the the media rights in the streaming space as i think another another trend i should have mentioned it earlier is going to be you know little silos right so yeah there's mixed martial arts but there's so many platforms out there that you're going to start seeing um you know and there is one already and that i've done some work with just just karate right this one's just karate you might have one that is you know just i don't know maybe thumb wrestling who knows right you're going to see that you have um you know, uh, you have a flag football league out there now and you might, you know, so, you know, like all of a sudden field hockey might start getting more 
you know, attention, like, or, or at least more deals because there's only so many, you know. So anyway, another part of it. Andy, that's so interesting. And thank you. That's a great way to end the podcast. I'd just like to thank you again for your time and for uh, your insights into your career and the work that you're doing currently, particularly this cutting edge stuff with um, OTT over the top platforms and broadcasting and the the stuff we discussed on NFTs. Um, And for those of our listeners who are tuned in, Thank you so much for your support. As always, remember, for all the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, go to lawinsport.com. Follow us on all of the platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you like what we do. If you don't, then <laughs> please don't. <laughs> um, and whatever time of day it is, wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you, as always, for your support. If you like what we do, we just ask that you tell people about it. Have a great rest of your day.